Good morning and welcome to Bayou Sports here on a big um, Thursday, January the 5th. And uh, with the football season winding down collegiately along with the NFL, this is the last weekend of uh, NFL. Of course, the Saints uh, take on uh, division rival, the Carolina Panthers, over in the Superdome for their last game. Uh, was squeezed out last week uh, when Green Bay uh, won their game and the uh, Saints uh, uh, even with an 8-9 and nine record, uh, could not uh, get in. In the meantime, uh, the collegiate action, of course, a big game Monday night, folks. Uh, and I found it unusual. Uh, they say a 6.30 kickoff uh, for this game. I, I don't think it'll be 6.30. Maybe it's an airtime. Which, which game? The, the Georgia-TCU uh, game. No, I can't even imagine kickoffs uh, at 6.30, no. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. Could and be the broadcast coverage. That's what I'm thinking in that regard. But as I pull up uh, that uh, that game site, of course, TCU, the number three uh, rated team in the college football playoff, along with Georgia being number one. Uh, they show um, Georgia a 12.5-point favorite. That's hard to believe uh, in a big game like this. TCU has been around all year. Um, their defense has kind of given up a lot of points lately. That means Georgia. Uh, Georgia comes into the game with uh, the number uh, five-rated um, scoring defense in the country, TCU 64th. Uh, elsewhere in that regard, the over and under in that game, besides being 12.5-point pick for Georgia, is uh, 63, of course, that game uh, being played out in the West Coast, Stephen. Uh, so 6.30, that means it'll be 4.30 out there in uh, the San Diego, Los Angeles area. Uh, or 4.30, excuse me. And, uh, and uh, of course, on the East Coast, it'd be at 7.30. Maybe that's the reason why uh, being played out there. If that is accurate, a 6.30 kickoff, that means we'll probably see the kickoff at, what, 7.30? Six, you four. know, I, I just looked at the ESPN app where the game's on, and uh-huh. usually they show game time, not pregame or anything okay. like that, and they're showing 632. The only thing I can think of is that this is to the East Coast. Uh, they hopefully wouldn't want to be watching the game at 1.30 in the morning is the only thing I can think of. 4.30 in L.A., though, where the game's being played. That's correct. Um, so, anyway, uh, we'll see uh, – <laughs> Should be fun traffic around SoFi. <laughs> That's right, <laughs> with the uh, with the uh, people moving around. But uh, the Georgia Bulldogs, the TCU Horn Frogs, um, TCU comes in averaging forty one points a game. Georgia right a little over thirty nine. TCU's uh, four hundred and seventy five yards a game, approximately. Georgia at four ninety five. There's uh, offensive total yards running and throwing, uh, passing yards. TCU's right at two seventy. Georgia at 293, uh, running the ball, uh, TCU's at, uh, we'll say 205, Georgia at 202. Third down conversions, uh, Georgia sits right at, uh, for, I mean, TCU sits at 41%, Georgia at r- pushing 50. Uh, on fourth down conversions, amazing here, both teams at over 50%, 56% for TCU, 86, almost 86%. For Georgia, they're first in the country. TCU's 47th in fourth down conversions. Elsewhere, time of possession, both teams hold the ball over 30 minutes. Uh, TCU at 30 minutes, 51 uh, uh, seconds. Uh, Georgia at 33 minutes, 34 seconds. They're 13th in the country. Defense, uh, I'm pretty sure that's where the game's going to be won, whatever defense shows up. Both teams can score. 
It's just going to be who's going to be able to keep the other team out the end zone. Uh, TCU gives up approximately a little over 26 points a game. Georgia pushing 15, right at 15. Uh, yards given up, total yards, TCU 395, Georgia 304. Uh, passing yards, TCU gives up 244. Uh, Georgia gives up 225. In the rushing yards, TCU gives up 152 a game. Georgia 80, they're first in the country at giving up uh, – uh, rushing yardage so uh, pretty interesting ball game uh, uh, both quarterbacks uh, were at the Heisman ceremony uh, don't know uh, where, the, where it might have finished after Caleb Williams in that regard but uh, both were invited up and what's amazing the young man from uh, TCU uh, wasn't the starting quarterback when they opened the year as the starter for TCU went down with an injury and he took over I'm trying to remember the second or third game and he's brought TCU all the way to uh, the national championship. And uh, to our recollection, I think TCU has won a national championship maybe when Sammy Ball was there back in the 30s. I'm, I just it escapes me right now. For some now. reason, I want to say we looked that up and saw <clears throat> something. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I think they were. Some Someone declared them a national champion through the AP poll back in the – which started around 35 or so, the Associated Press football poll – before then, everybody's brother had a poll, and uh, you could claim a national championship, I guess, if you had one loss or one defeated during the course of the time. But uh, meanwhile, the big game for uh, both schools, uh, Georgia, the defending national champ, if uh, you're not following uh, collegiate football the last uh, year or so, as they took down Alabama last year in the championship game after losing the SEC championship game to Alabama. So uh, Georgia trying to defend uh, their national championship for the first time since Alabama did it. What was that, 11 and 12, 10 and 11, somewhere in there. And uh, before that, it was USC in uh, 3 and 4. And I think you got to go all the way back to the 90s when Nebraska won back-to-back titles in 94 and 95, I think, with uh, their um, option uh, with uh, Tom um, Osborne uh, back in the day. So um, – Anyway, I think Alabama won back-to-back titles in, what, 78 and 79, I do believe, with Bear Bryant the last of his national championships. Did they win back-to-back with, uh, in the early 90s, early when I moved to Louisiana, it seems, uh, the Gene, uh, who was the head coach? Yeah, I know. He had the uh, handicapped son, uh, uh, Gene Stallings. Stallings. Yeah, they beat Miami. They beat Miami in the Superdome. Seems uh, to me, I remember because it was early when I moved to Louisiana and we spent a lot of New Year's uh, in New Orleans Sugar Bowl and I just seem to remember a lot of Alabama fans uh, in uh, New Orleans uh, in those days. But getting yeah. back to your TCU question, uh, 1935, uh, they were the Williamson System national champs. Yeah, that's what I was speaking about. Everybody had a poll back then. And then in 38, they were national champs, according to the AP poll. That's Helms, Helms Athletic Foundation. Yeah, that was another big uh, uh, rating system back then, yes, like the UPI. National Championship Foundation and, again, the Williamson system so yeah they, they've had a couple times yeah, but, but but a few years yeah i'm sure that's when sammy ball was their quarterback back then who also not only a quarterback but one platoon football he played you know a lot of people don't realize back in the day it was one platoon football uh most people played offense and defense uh 
uh, with their, their teams until they went back to two-platoon football sometime in 63-64. They went back to the two-platoon football system where uh, offense and defense. That's where Paul Dietzel took advantage of uh, that rule uh, back in the 50s, late 50s, when LSU won their first national championship in football. Dietzel had the, the three teams, uh, the white, go, and Chinese bandits, and uh, – He'd call timeout and substitute 11 kids would uh, come into the game and keep his team fresh. And uh, they won a national championship doing that in 58 and uh, continued with that until the two-platoon system came back. Even Charlie McClendon did that for a while when he was appointed the coach in 62, I do believe, when he took over the Tigers. So uh, interesting game uh, come uh, Monday night, uh, if that's accurate, at 6.30. So uh, it could be 6. Our time, it's – Oh, well, I'm trying to think that 6.30 kickoff. Is that our time or is that? Uh... Uh, everything I'm saying shows 6.30, but I, I can't believe it's going to begin at 6.30. Yeah, they usually but... have about 15 minutes of the pregame and things of that nature. Or... But, but I checked two different sources. One showed 7.30 Eastern time, but still 6.30 our time. Time, yes. And, uh, again, the ESPN app uh, showing uh, 6.32. And, and again, normally, even though it's an ESPN broadcast, normally on that app they show the game time start, not necessarily a broadcast. Yeah, and it's uh, with that game, uh, basically uh, people will be uh, just getting uh, home and trying to settle in from uh, work and all, or maybe eating a, a uh, a supper that uh, that particular evening. So, uh, with that uh, game, uh, uh, and of course Georgia. I'm trying to remember if Georgia did win a national championship when Frank Sinkwich was there. He was a Heisman Trophy winner in '42, '43, somewhere in there. Uh, of course, they did win it uh, back in the day. They played for a national championship, but Pittsburgh with Tony Dorsett beat them in the Dome in 76. Of course, they won it. I think Herschel Walker's junior year in '83. And it seemed like they might have played for – maybe they won it in 80. Uh, what was the quarterback, Bug, um, who play, was a quarterback for them uh, back in 1980. They won it in the Superdome. Uh, Georgia beat – I think Notre Dame – was it Notre Dame in that game? I'm trying to recall. Dan Devine won a national championship at uh, Notre Dame. But maybe uh, – I can't, can't remember if it was 80 or 83 when uh, Georgia won their uh, – their first national championship, unless they won one in 42 with Frank Sinkwich, the uh, fine running back. Uh, 42, uh, 80, and 21. Okay, so they have won it three times, yeah, with Frank Sinkwich, who was a Heisman Trophy winner in 42. 80, you said 80, right? So that was Herschel Walker's freshman year. And I do believe they beat uh, – I think they beat Notre Dame uh, for the national championship uh, in the Dome that that year. seemed like Notre Dame with Frank Devine won it in 77 and then came back with Lou Holtz in 88 uh, when Timmy Brown won the Heisman. So my recollection of those games uh, back in the day. Uh, but Georgia, TCU, uh, each having uh, at least won a national championship, trying to win a fourth for Georgia and a second for TCU. Uh and uh, to TCU from Fort Worth, Texas, uh, as I mentioned uh, yesterday, uh, know a couple of graduates from TCU. Uh, people text me at they listen to the show later on that day, telling me of the people of New Iberia who uh, attended TCU. Didn't know if they graduated or not. I think some did. But uh, interesting game uh, in that regard. Uh, can't think of anyone from here that. Oh, oh yeah, we had a one young lady from here that went to uh, graduated from Georgia to Manalas, a pole vaulter. That uh, 
that uh, did uh, pretty well uh, to get into the Olympics this past year uh, or last year. Um, the young lady from uh, Catholic High, uh, um, whose name is Morgan. <laughs> Morgan, that's right. Morgan, uh, I, th- I think she finished at Georgia, then transferred to UL, compete her last year. Don't know if she finished uh, at Georgia, but definitely uh, her initial years were there and then came to UL. Yes, and uh, 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 again, uh, congratulations to her, the first Iberian, I think, new Iberian to ever uh, be an Olympian, so in that regard. Elsewhere uh, around the NFL, folks, uh, no Thursday night game tonight. Uh, Last one was last week, and uh, with regards to that, the Saints play their last game uh, this coming Sunday in the Louisiana Superdome, a kickoff at noon as they take on the Carolina Panthers. Of course, as I mentioned a little earlier in the broadcast, if you're joining us, that the Saints were eliminated with a Green Bay win last week. Uh, Saints have an opportunity to finish 8-9, and And to my recollection, was that their record last year? Were they 8-9? Uh, Did they play 17 games last year? Yeah, I think that was the first year of the 17-game season. I don't know if they finished 8-9 and nine or 9-8 nine and eight last year. Because remember, they were fighting also for the last weekend of a playoff spot, and they needed a lot of help in that regard. Uh, uh, Sean Payton's last year with the Saints. And um, they ended up, I think, uh, to my mind, they lost their last game or won their last game uh, Last year, I can't recall. But uh, the Saints uh, injury report, they have 11 Saints on the injury report for this game, this uh, particular uh, Sunday at noon kickoff. And uh, the Saints trying to, um, you know, end the season on a four-game winning streak. And uh, some of the players on that uh, list, of course, Paulson Debo, uh, he did not practice yesterday. Justin Evans was limited. Chase Hansen was also a limited practice. Uh, Taysom Hill was also limited, did not practice, was offensive tackle James Hurts. Uh, Jawan Johnson didn't practice. Marcus May, the safety, didn't practice. Andres Pete, the guard, didn't practice. Ty Summers, uh, limited uh, practice, along with Dwayne Washington. Uh, I think he uh, had uh, some issues with an illness, and uh, he did not practice, along with uh, Ryan Ramchak. The uh, just hip and rest, they say, the fine offensive tackle for the Saints. Uh, for the Panthers, they had uh, six people. Uh, Matthew Ioninis, uh the defensive tackle back, uh, who did not practice. Uh, Steven Sullivan, uh, limited practice. Chandler Wooten uh, did not practice. Joe, uh, help me there. Leon Gabui, um, um, that's my best shot at Joel. Uh, limited practice. He's a uh, hamstring. He's a... Uh, linebacker for the Panthers, Taylor Mouton, uh, an offensive tackle, uh, rest, uh, did not practice, and Ian Thomas, uh, not injury but personal related, did not practice a tight end. So uh, Saints going to the last game, Andy Dalton. And, you know, Bob Rose made some interesting comments too, Jeff, in regards to the quarterback situation for the Saints uh, Monday he didn't think either quarterback would be back with the Saints next year. You remember him uh, yeah, stating I, that? Yeah, I do. Uh, it kind of surprised me. Um, I thought the Saints had signed Winston to a two-year deal. Uh, it, it, it didn't say they weren't under contract. Uh, well, Dalton isn't, but he just thought uh, the Saints would be moving on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, they got a lot of good quarterbacks around the league, of course, uh, the Saints, uh, I think, signed Winston to a two-year deal earlier this year. Uh, Andy Dalton, I'm not sure, maybe a one-year deal as um, he with the Saints now. So uh, it's going to be interesting. The Saints don't have a number one draft choice unless they 
make first a deal. Round pick, yeah, first round pick. Yeah, uh, they don't have one. Uh, they traded that off to uh, acquire uh, the <laughs> the fine uh, Olive wide receiver along with uh, uh, pinning the offensive tackle. So uh, the Saints will be scrambling uh, right now, looking for uh, Burke, possibly a quarterback, um, more offensive lineman. Um, I don't know my thought process. The Saints' defensive line needs to be addressed. Uh, they need some help there. Uh, wide receiver, they kind of, you know, brought in a few players to help out. Jarvis Landry's been hurt much of the year, but uh, when playing, he's done a decent job. Uh, nothing. Um, of course, you wonder where we're going to go with a uh, fine running back, Camaro, with, uh, you know, his legal problems still out there. And uh, he was able to play the full year, but never uh, never seemed to get in the flow of the game this year. Had some pretty good games, but missed games. So the Saints um, got a reboot and looking forward to uh, 2024 and curious to see, or 2023, excuse me, and see where uh, Sean Payton's going to end up. Uh, that's going to be interesting in itself. Maybe the Saints might acquire a first-round draft choice if uh, Peyton signs on with uh, with another NFL team. Anyway, anything else before we take our first break? Just you, we were talking about last season, and interesting, they were nine and eight last season, and similar to this year, they won four of their last five games last year to almost make the playoffs. And um, this year, they've got a similar run at the end of the season, but going to finish just short of. The postseason. Yeah, as we talked with Bob uh, earlier this week, uh, Tuesday, you know, we mentioned that, uh, you know, the games they let slip away from them, the game in London with the Vikings, of course, who played well, who won a lot of one-score games. And that Tampa Bay game over in Tampa where the Saints let uh, Tom Brady off the hook with a couple touchdowns uh, with uh, regards to maybe less than four minutes left to go in the game. And uh, there were a couple other games, the Cincinnati Bengal game who the Saints were leading late in the game and let a breakaway tackle as Chase gets into the end zone on about a 55-yard pass play. So they've had some opportunities during the course of the year, how pathetic they played up in Pittsburgh as the Steelers beat them 20-10, to 10, along with there was another game like that. I do recall that uh, they just uh, didn't – just uh, San Francisco fumbling at the three-yard line, had, was inside the five-yard line twice and couldn't score and loses 13 to nothing. So uh, – they had their share of close games. They just uh, couldn't pull out injuries uh, across the board, whether it been the offensive line, the receivers, the defensive backs. So uh, they uh, they took some licks this year, which they haven't had in the last few years. But uh, in the meantime, as, as the Brooklyn Dodgers used to say, there's always next year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, let's go ahead and take our first break this morning. You're listening to Bayou Sports here on Kane Radio, uh, FM 107.5 and AM 1240. We'll be right back with more right after this. Nowadays, none of us can be without adequate insurance coverage, but we still want to be sure we're getting the best value for the money. That's why so many people call the Schwing Insurance Agency to get a quote. The Schwing family has been handling the insurance needs of businesses and homeowners for almost 80 years. You can depend on Schwing Insurance to find the coverage you need at the best price. So before you buy a new policy or renew an existing one, call the Schwing Insurance Agency for a quote at 365-2357. Schwing Insurance, 300 East Main, across from the shadows. 
The Quarter Tavern is the premier spot for live music. This Saturday, it's the Cajun Company Band, and on Sunday, T.K. Hewlett along with Steve Adams and his four-piece trio. Remember, never a cover at the Quarter Tavern. The Quarter Tavern, recently named a top ten bar in Louisiana by bestthingslouisiana.com, saying you'll have a whole night of fun at the Quarter Tavern. This popular hometown bar in New Iberia always serves up a great time. Quarter Tavern, 910 East Main, across from McDonald's. Best drink prices in Newberry. Domestic beer, just $2. Imports, $3 all day, every day other than during bands and special benefits. Hey guys, if you're looking for the top golf experience in Iberia Parish, you need to look no further than Cane Row Golf and Turf Club. Low or high handicappers will enjoy the beautiful greens, the recently refurbished sand traps, and incredibly plush fairways. And by the way, you don't have to be a golfer to enjoy Cane Row. The brand new clubhouse sports some of the best burgers, pizza, wings, and many other choices along with absolutely the best, most potent margaritas that you've ever tried. So whether it's golf, food, or just some fun, come to Cane Row and enjoy. The athletic field provides challenges that test the competitor. It is in that challenge that you realize you can accomplish things you have never thought you could accomplish. I am Jacob Landry and I'm running for state representative in District 49. I've created hundreds of jobs, good paying jobs, that families can build prosperous lives based on those jobs. This is my challenge and I need your help. Your vote and your support will ignite a bright new future for all of us. Paid for by the Jacob Landry for Louisiana campaign. Now back to Bayou Sports on the all-new Kane 107.5. Welcome back to Bayou Sports for our second segment here on a big Thursday, uh, January the 5th. Uh, you know, the playoff picture in the NFL uh, entering the 18th week, which is the last week. 11 teams have clinched postseason bursts, and 13 have been eliminated, leaving eight teams fighting for the final three spots. Uh, the note, uh, you know, of course, uh, Monday night, week 17, uh, the final game of week 17, the Bills and Bengals game was uh, postponed. We all know uh, what's taking place there uh, with the young man who was injured, uh, uh, I should say injured, but had a you know, complete uh, flatlining uh, there on the field just so we keep our prayers for him. Hopefully he can recover and lead a normal life. In the meantime, uh, uh, clinching um, are the Chiefs, the Bills, the Bengals, the Chargers, the Ravens, the Eagles, the 49ers, the Vikings, the Buccaneers, the Cowboys, the Giants. Still alive and holding on are the Jaguars, Patriots, Dolphins, Steelers, Titans, Seahawks, Lions, and Packers. Of course, being eliminated, the Jets, the Browns, the Raiders, the Colts, the Broncos, the Texans, the Commanders, Saints, Panthers, Falcons, Rams, Cardinals, and Bears. And here are the scenarios for the three spots that are up for grabs in the last week, including one that will be determined in a head-to-head clash for the AFC South. And the AFC South fighting for the number four position in uh, the playoffs. Uh, The Jaguars and Titans will play Saturday night for the division and the number four seed, Tennessee, is eliminated with a loss while the uh, Jacksonville, the Jaguars, could still squeak in. Uh, in the AFC, the number seventh spot, the Patriots can clinch with a win over the Bills or losses by the Dolphins and Steelers and a win by the Jags. The Dolphins clinch with a win over the Jets and a Patriots uh, loss. The Steelers clinch with a win over the Browns and losses by the Dolphins, the Jets, the Jaguars clinch with a loss if the Patriots, Dolphins, and Steelers all lose. So, 
Man, a lot of thought process there. Of course, a lot of, you know, in baseball, we used to say there was a lot of scoreboard watching. In football, I'm sure now they're picking up that scenario with uh, the 14 teams that will make uh, the playoffs in the NFL. Uh, Meanwhile, in the NFC, number seven spot, the Packers can clinch with a win over the Lions, and that's the late game Sunday night at 7.20 kickoff. The Lions can clinch with a win over the Packers and a Seahawks loss or tie. The Seahawks can clinch with a win over the Rams and a Packers loss or tie. Uh, Of course, uh, the slate this weekend, uh, the two Saturday games, the Chiefs at the Raiders, that will be about a 4.30 time kickoff. That's going to be on ABC and ESPN. While later on that night, the Titans and Jaguars will kick it off about 8.15 also on ABC and ESPN. Meanwhile, the Buccaneers at Falcons on Fox, Patriots at Bills, CBS, Bears at the Vikings at Bears on Fox, Ravens at Bengals, CBS, Texans at Colts, CBS. Those are all regional games, I'm sure. The Jets at the Dolphins, that's going to be on 1 p.m. on Fox. Panthers at Saints, 1 p.m. on Fox. Steelers, Browns at Steelers, Giants at Eagle, that's a 425 kickoff. Chargers at Broncos along with Cowboys at Commanders, Rams at Seahawks, Cardinals at 49ers, Lions at Packers. And uh, we'll see what's going to shake on that. So uh, let me uh, go ahead. Not clarify, but ask for your clarification. So you got Seattle, Green Bay, Detroit, all eight win teams. There's one spot left. Yes. And if any one team wins, are the others eliminated? Yeah, that's that's it's a Packers clinch with a win over the Lions. Okay, and okay. So no matter what Seattle does, that's right. Okay, that's, uh, right. that's what I needed clarification. Yeah, yeah. On. And uh, of course, with the Lions win over the Packers and a Seahawks loss or tie, they they can get in. But the Seahawks can clinch with a win over the Rams and a Packers loss or tie. Gotcha. So uh, the Packers control their destiny, basically. So what you're saying is the Bears are eliminated. Yeah, the Bears and Jeez. the Saints, for that matter. Today, uh, Virginia McCaskey's 100th birthday. Really? Yes. Wow. George Hallis's daughter turning 100 today. Still Almost as old as the NFL. Yeah, that's amazing. Right. That's right. That is correct. Well, she's older than the NFL championship game, which began yeah. in 30, uh, 1933. But Virginia McCann, and I think she still attends the games, too. She does in large part. You see her in the suite. That's right. That's right. So amazing. Uh, but I, I want to say she was in Green Bay last year. I mean, really? uh, just amazing, yeah. Yeah, that's like that sister who was pulling for the Loyola Chicago. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think she's still with us, too. She's like 102, 104. Amazing. Sister, I, I'm trying to remember her name now. Yeah, she... Uh, but she is the patron saint of basketball in Chicago. That, boy, you set a mouthful there. And, you know, in Chicago, uh, Loyola Chicago won the NCAA championship in 63. Uh, they beat, I think... Uh, either Ohio State or Cincinnati in that final game. Elsewhere in the NFL, uh, of course, uh, the there are f- uh, I'm trying to find that uh, article. There are 15 finalists with regards to the NFL Hall of Fame um, as they uh, open up the Hall of Fame finalists are cornerback Darrell Rivas, tackle Joe Thomas, defensive end Dwight Finney, Freeney, as the Saints remember him from the Colts uh, back in the Super Bowl. And they headlined the 15 finalists uh, for the fall, uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame class, which uh, will be announced, I think. Uh, usually they announce it, what, uh, 
week of the Super Bowl generally or uh, something at the finalists that make it? Uh, and there are three first-time I eligible players. I think they players. announce it uh, Saturday night uh, in okay. advance of the Super Bowl. Uh, and then those uh, inductees, future inductees, uh, are at the game. Okay. Yeah, Sunday. and I think uh, they're introduced maybe at halftime. Possibly. Something like that. Yeah, it seems like that uh, would take place. So, uh, of that list uh, for the rest of the finalists for the class of 2023, Jared Allen, of course, a fine defensive end that played with the Vikings for a while. Willie Anderson, the tackle. Rondé Barber, the cornerback uh, for Tampa Bay. Uh, Devin Hester, the wide receiver, punt returner for the Bears, uh, who ran the, what, the uh, opening kickoff back when they played the Colts back in, what, oh, uh, that uh, 06 uh, Super Bowl? It was Bowl, the 07. Six, six season yeah. seven. Yeah. Correct. Uh, yeah, Tory Holt, the fine wide receiver out of North Carolina State, played for the Rams. Uh, Andre Johnson, the wide receiver. Zach Thomas, a linebacker for uh, the Dolphins back in the day. DeMarcus Ware, the defensive end outside linebacker. Uh, Reggie Wayne, uh, John Eric, New Orleans uh, native, uh, played with the Colts for the, all those years, was uh, on the short end of that pass where, where uh, uh, the Saints intercepted it and brought it back for a touchdown, Terry Porter. Elsewhere, Patrick Willis, a fine linebacker for the 49ers, played at Ole Miss, and Darren Woodson. Uh, Darren Woodson, of course, uh, beat out uh, Peyton Manning for the Heisman Trophy, the safety uh, for the Raiders back in the day. And uh, of that group, only uh, Woodson was not a finalist last year, and Hope has now been a finalist four times. The Hall of Fame's board of uh, selectors will meet in the coming weeks to choose a maximum of five modern-era finalists for enshrinement. I didn't think they had a limit on that. And the class of 2023 will be announced February 9th during the NFL Honors Show three days before the Super Bowl. Uh, Ken Riley, Chuck Holly along with Joe Klecko of the Seniors Committee finalists, and Don Coriel, Air Coriel, is the Coach and Contributor Committee finalists. Those four will be voted uh, on a yes or no basis. The enshrinement ceremony will take place in August at the Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio. Joe Thomas is the most decorated player among this year's finalists with uh, his 10 Pro Bowls, ranking eighth most of an offensive lineman. But in Thomas' 11 seasons with the Browns, the team did not make the playoffs and finished with a winning record just once, a 10-6 mark in 07, his rookie year after being drafted third overall. And other first-year eligible players, Feeney was a seven-time Pro Bowl selection, three-time first-team All-Pro, and was part of that Colts team in Super Bowl uh, 50. Uh, how's my math? Uh, this should be uh, – 41 maybe winning uh, to conclude the 06 season. That's what we just spoke about uh, when they beat the Bears in the, was it January of 07 or February of 07. He also led the NFL in sacks in 04. Revis, a seven-time Pro Bowl selection and four-time first-team All-Pro uh, whose skills uh, launched the Revis Island moniker. Played for four years in his 11 years. Drafted number 14 overall by the Jets in 07. And he played eight of his seasons in New York in two stints with the franchise. He also won a Super Bowl with the 14 Patriots. If uh, one or both Thomas and Revis are enshrined in the Hall's class of 2023, they would join wide receiver Calvin Johnson, the number two pick of the Lions back in 07, and meaning it in the Hall of Famers among the 14 selections at, uh, of the draft. So uh, interesting of the finalists. None have waited longer than Lewis, who's in his final year of eligibility in the, as a modern-era player. Lewis, who played 16 seasons, 11 with the Chiefs and five with the Raiders, finished his career with 42 interceptions. So uh, 
Hall of Fame class, uh, 15 finalists. Uh, yeah, that, that was supposed to be announced Tuesday, but they delayed it out of respect for That's me. right. So apparently 24 hours was all they felt they needed. I mean, come on. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's kind of ridiculous. Yeah, um, I agree with that. But uh, and, and by the way, I also saw the uh, NFL honors is February 9th, and that's when they will uh, officially be unveiled. Yes, yes. So uh, the final, the people who are going to be enshrined into the Hall of Fame. So in uh, the Super Bowl game, is uh, this is the, la- the latest I think it's been played. It's going to be that weekend. Well, last year, too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it may be a day or two, but yeah, it's the but same it's, week. Yeah, it's true. And, uh, you know, back in the day, I don't think they waited two weeks uh, to play the Super Bowl. It took place – you won your championships, AFC, NFC, Super Bowl the following week. Then a few years back, they moved it another week back, and they played the Pro Bowl game, which I don't think they play anymore. Was it? They went to tag football, flag football. Yeah, that, now, that's true. You know, uh, and there's going to be a course. series of events, all-star right. events, Pro Bowl events. But I, I, it seems um, they had a two-week break as long as I can remember. Uh, they there were a couple of times, and that's part of the equation with this situation. If they do feel the need, if they do feel the need to play the Buffalo Cincinnati game. Maybe push the playoffs back and get rid of that off week. Yes, um, that's uh, that's a possibility. They did that in '82, I think it was the uh, strike, strike year, year the and first then, strike year, and also 9/11. Yes. Uh, that season. Yes, and you know, with uh, regards to that too, uh, the one of the last Pro Bowls they used to play the Pro Bowl historically uh, in Hawaii, uh, but the one of the last Pro Bowls I remember going to in the Superdome in it was the '77 or '78 year, none of the quarterbacks wanted to play. And uh, that was the night uh, Ray Guy hit the gondola in the Superdome with a punting uh, that night. So uh, I remember that night, and uh, the game was like 14-7. to 7. I think the AFC beat the NFC 14-7 to 7 in a low-scoring game. And uh, the crowd, don't uh, oh, wasn't full, but they probably had 50,000 people there. But I remember going to that game. And uh, I think it was part of the Saints package that year. You could get it, had access to a ticket. Anyway, in the meantime, uh, Super Bowl uh, in the second, it's the second weekend. Is it the second weekend in uh, February? Is that correct? Uh, With regards, because February 1st seems like a Wednesday. So uh, I'm trying to uh, detail that. uh, Apparently in 94 too, uh, it was just a week after uh, the NFC or AFC, NFC title games. Okay. Uh, you mean the Pro Bowl game? Is that what you're speaking of? No, no, Super Bowl. Oh, okay. Okay. Because I remember the first Super Bowl game when the Packers and the Chiefs went at it. That was in January of 67, around the middle of January. And then it seemed like each year getting a little later, a little later, Chris, with the uh, second Super Bowl game when the Packers beat the Raiders. And then, of course, the Jets knocking out the uh, Colts. And I think that was in Miami. And then the following year, over in oh, Tulane Stadium, the Chiefs beat uh, the Vikings, who were supposedly the Purple People leaders. And uh, Lynn Dawson and Hank Stram led the Chiefs to a Super Bowl, their first Super Bowl win back in, uh, in, in 1970. Yeah, in fact, uh, first AFL-NFL World Championship game, known now as Super Bowl One, played on uh, January 15, 67 in L.A., two weeks after the AFL and NFL Championship okay. games which were staged as a New Year's Day doubleheader. But the site and the date for Super Bowl One were not set until a month before the game. By Super Bowl Four, as you just mentioned, Kansas City over Minnesota, 
The NFL moved the Super Bowl to a week after the AFL and NFL championship games. The game on January 11th of 1970 is the second earliest Super Bowl. Um, Super Bowl XI won by Oakland, played on January 9th, uh, 1977. The league went back to the two-week break the following year, but tried the no-weekend-off plan again at the end of the 82 season, which again stopped by uh, the, the strike, strike yeah. short in the season. And uh, so there you go. So pretty much since Super Bowl Eleven, it has been a two-week break, except yeah. the unscheduled uh, occurrences. Yeah, with regards to the, I guess, the strikes. Uh, and they've had a few of them <laughs> during the course of time. Anyway, we're going to go ahead and take our next break. You listen to Bayou Sports here on Kane uh, Radio, FM 107.5 and AM 1240. We'll be back with more right after this. Hey guys, if you're looking for the top golf experience in Iberia Parish, you need to look no further than Cane Row Golf and Turf Club. Low or high handicappers will enjoy the beautiful greens, the recently refurbished sand traps, and incredibly plush fairways. And by the way, you don't have to be a golfer to enjoy Cane Row. The brand new clubhouse sports some of the best burgers, pizza, wings, and many other choices along with absolutely the best, most potent margaritas that you've ever tried. So whether it's golf, food, or just some fun, come to Cane Row and enjoy. Is it time for a new roof or to repair the old one? Hi, this is Jake Blanchard with L.A. Classic Roofing. We're a third-generation roofing contractor that has been in the business for over 70 years. As a locally owned and operated company, we're also licensed and insured for your peace of mind. We offer free estimates and a $100 referral fee for full roof replacement. Check us out on Facebook at L.A. Classic Roofing. And the number to call is 465-3888. L.A. Classic Roofing, professional roofing solutions since the 1950s. Nowadays, none of us can be without adequate insurance coverage, but we still want to be sure we're getting the best value for the money. That's why so many people call the Schwing Insurance Agency to get a quote. The Schwing family has been handling the insurance needs of businesses and homeowners for almost 80 years. You can depend on Schwing Insurance to find the coverage you need at the best price. So before you buy a new policy or renew an existing one, call the Schwing Insurance Agency for a quote at 365-2357. Schwing Insurance, 300 East Main, across from the shadows. Are you in enthusiastic sports fan want to have fun and get in on the action heck yes that'd be awesome have great attention to detail want to stay active definitely want to give back to the student athletes in your community obviously yes then you'd make an excellent high school sports official we need more officials in louisiana because with no high school officials there are no high school sports sign up today at highschoolofficials.com now back to Bayou Sports. Phone lines are open to talk sports at 367-1240. Welcome back to Bayou Sports here on a big Thursday, January the 5th. Uh, speaking of uh, officials, we hope to have an official uh, come join us one morning uh, with regards to uh, uh, he's a, a college official and uh, was uh, a New Iberian native that called the uh, the Cotton Bowl game this weekend. But uh, we don't want to mention a name yet since I've tried to run him down. To see if he's available to uh, come to Bayou door. Sports. He might be. Yeah, he might be <laughs> next door. Anyway, in the meantime, uh, we'd like to get him on and get, get his thought process, how he became an official, how he had to go through maybe the process of being a collegiate official. I do think he, the SEC uh, officials call the Cotton Bowl game, is which he's affiliated with. And i got a few questions I'd like to ask. Uh, I need to 
write him down too so I'd be prepared uh, to see if he uh, and uh, nothing uh, trickery questions just uh, just how the process goes and uh, how everything works out being a collegiate official you got to go through the high, the high school ranks etc take a test and you, just so many things and all so anyway uh, NBA basketball last night believe it or not folks the uh, the the Pelicans on another little winning streak. They man, they started the game off against Houston, who's really had a rough year so far. Uh, they, the Pelicans scored forty five points in the first quarter to uh, get on track against the Houston Rockets. Uh, forty five to twenty two. Uh, each team scored thirty in the uh, second quarter. So halftime, uh, the Pelicans had a seventy five to fifty two lead and held on to that and built upon that through the third quarter. And then played a lot of reserves uh, in the fourth quarter. They win uh, 119 to 108 going away. And, of course, uh, the Pelicans have been playing without uh, uh, Zion Williamson, who uh, pulled a hamstring or aggravated a hamstring from what I understand. so um, we don't know. I think they're telling us he might be out anywhere for two to three weeks. Uh, of course, he's missed a lot more games than he's played in over the course uh, since he's been with the uh, Pelicans. But in the meantime, uh, the uh, the Pelicans are still a half a game behind uh, Memphis uh, for the Southwest Division in the Western Conference of the NBA. Of course, uh the Pelicans uh, have won uh, one in a row after they uh, had won seven in a row. Then they dropped four in a row. Then they bounced up back and forth with one. They lost, uh, I think, last week up in Philadelphia. They got beat uh, pretty good uh, as Williamson went out. Um, elsewhere, uh, Memphis is on a four-game winning streak. Dallas has been playing well. They're on a seven-game winning streak. They're all in the same division along with San Antonio and Houston. Houston uh, pulling up uh, late in the league as uh, Houston's 10-28, and 28, which is the worst record in the Western Conference right now. So uh, we'll see what the uh, Pelicans can do. Uh, their next game uh, is slated, um, I want to say, uh, tomorrow night. Uh, they took on Brooklyn, and I think Brooklyn's playing. I don't think they've lost yet, Jeff. They've won 15. Well, they've had to have lost. Do uh, you think? Uh, let me just pull that up quickly. They had... Uh, they had won like fourteen in a row, something of that nature. Uh, they're, yeah, they're nine and one in their last ten games, so they lost their last game. Uh, I'm trying to see who that might have been against. Uh, as they um, uh, Brooklyn, uh, their last game, uh, Brooklyn, Brooklyn, Brooklyn. Uh, they have they're to, twenty-five and thirteen, nine and one in their last ten. Yeah, and. Uh, but, but they got lost, beat by, no. by the Bulls. They yeah. got beat by the Bulls in Chicago uh, last night. And that's despite, I think, Kevin Durant scored 44. That's right. I think you're right. Uh, in, that, in that game, uh, he did score 44 for uh, Brooklyn. He was 15 out of 22, 9 out of 9 from the free throw line. Uh, leading uh, the Bulls was Patrick Williams with 22 points. And uh, pretty much uh, uh, Chicago... Uh, Outscored him in every quarter but the uh, third and beat him 121 to 112. So uh, uh, Brooklyn uh, not coming in on fire, but they're coming in and winning line out of the last 10, taking on the Pelicans tomorrow night in the uh, uh, Smoothie King Arena. Big 12th night celebration. That's right. That's right. And, uh, of course, Brooklyn having uh, lost their last game, uh, knocking them out that winning streak. And I think they'd won 14 in a row or something in that nature. Uh uh, so they're coming in pretty hot uh, to take on the Pelicans in a big game uh, 
And uh, speaking of big games, uh, Kane Radio will have our initial high school basketball game tomorrow night as the uh, Catholic High Panthers take on the West St. Mary uh, Wolfpack. And a game at uh, at Catholic High well, broadcast time. Well, they've got a uh, young ladies game that starts around six, and then we'll head into the varsity game, the boys varsity game, which we'll be broadcasting. That should be anywhere between seven and seven fifteen, probably closer. I lean towards seven thirty yeah, myself. Yeah, yeah, they've they've got to give them time. You know, if there's an overtime or something of that nature. Uh, You've got to give them a little extra time to warm up and all. Used about ten to fifteen minutes, so uh, we could have an airtime between seven fifteen to seven thirty to uh, let our listeners know in that regard. So uh, hopefully, uh, first of our many games, I think we're broadcasting eleven this year. Uh, Twelve, counting a doubleheader. We're going to okay. do uh, Lorville Catholic High uh, women's men's doubleheader uh, at Lorville. I think it's the 24th. Okay, of January. Yeah. Yeah, because basketball season usually ends about the third, second uh, weekend in February to somewhere in the third weekend. Mid-February so. this year, around yeah. the 16th, 18th, something like that. So we should have Just an entertaining schedule. That's right, an entertaining schedule for you with games to be broadcast here on Kane Radio, high school basketball. Keeping uh, young people uh, involved. So uh, in the meantime, uh, elsewhere uh, in NBA action, uh uh, around the league last night, uh, of course, with the uh, Pelicans taking on um, the uh, uh, Nets, uh, the Brooklyn Nets. Of course, last night, uh, Cleveland beat Phoenix 90-88. Oklahoma City loses to Orlando 126-115. Philadelphia in overtime takes down Indiana 129-126. Memphis, uh, who the Pelicans are fighting for first place in that division, uh, they take down Charlotte 131-107. Uh, New York, uh, the Knicks, uh, down San Antonio, 117 to 114. Uh, Milwaukee in overtime takes down uh, Toronto, 104 to 101. Brooklyn loses their first game in a while. They got beat by the Bulls in Chicago, 121 to 112. Minnesota ekes out over uh, Portland, 113 to 106. Looked like they had a full slate of games last night. Yeah, a whole bunch. Yeah, Detroit downs uh, Golden State. Uh, they've got their worries right now, is uh, Seth Curry. Uh, battling that shoulder injury, don't know when they expect him back. Uh, they go down to uh, Detroit, one twenty-two to one nineteen. The Warriors do the defending champs. Meanwhile, the Lakers uh, win a game. They beat Miami, one twelve to one hundred nine. And Atlanta, out in Sacramento, beat uh, the Kings, uh, one twenty to one seventeen. So uh, NBA action last night, and uh, only a few games on tab tonight. Memphis at Orlando. The Celtics are in Dallas. Utah at Houston, and the Clippers take Denver. And as I mentioned, uh, Brooklyn journeys to New Orleans tomorrow night, Friday night in the Smoothie King. The Brooklyn comes in 25-13, and 13, New Orleans 24-14 and 14 for some big games. So in that, and like I mentioned, not sure what uh, the status is on uh, 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 Zion Williamson. I don't think they're even going to really uh, reevaluate for two to three weeks. Yeah, they said uh, in the initial uh, – Diagnosis. They they were talking at least three weeks. Uh, they were going to give him. Uh, it's diagnosed with a right hamstring strain. The team announced that was Tuesday evening. Team said Williams will be reevaluated. As you mentioned, in three weeks. So uh, we'll see. He's he's been the cusp of the, a lot of great games around the basket. He's so smooth around the basket. Got soft soft hands. Pretty good feet and uh, gets up pretty well for a six seven two hundred what seventy eighty pounder. Hey, he's, he can levitate pretty well. So uh, he he, he had, uh, 
continued to stay out the injury bug, uh, he had a chance to be uh, get a few votes for MVP in the league this year. And it's not too late. Yeah, still it. You're right. They play 82 games, so we'll see. Uh, they're uh, approximately uh, what they're half, not quite halfway through their season, so he's got time to get back and be reevaluated. Probably going to miss about uh, eight to ten games in that three week period. So. Anyway, uh, you're listening to Bayou Sports here on a big Thursday, January the 5th. We're going to go ahead and take a break and come back with a little bit more right after this. Is it time for a new roof or to repair the old one? Hi, this is Jake Blanchard with L.A. Classic Roofing. We're a third-generation roofing contractor that has been in the business for over 70 years. As a locally owned and operated company, we're also licensed and insured for your peace of mind. We offer free estimates and a $100 referral fee for full roof replacement. Check us out on Facebook at L.A. Classic Roofing. And the number to call is 465-3888. L.A. Classic Roofing, professional roofing solutions since the 1950s. Celebrating 75 years in business, Danos has been setting the standard for generations. Become part of something bigger. Join the team. We're currently hiring for a variety of offshore positions in both our production and construction divisions, and you can apply right now at danos.com or call us at 1-833-GO-DANOS. Great jobs, great people. That's Danos. The Quarter Tavern is the premier spot for live music. This Saturday, it's the Cajun Company Band, and on Sunday, T.K. Hewlett along with Steve Adams and his four-piece trio. Remember, never cover at the Quarter Tavern. The Quarter Tavern, recently named a top ten bar in Louisiana by bestthingslouisiana.com, saying you'll have a whole night of fun at the Quarter Tavern. This popular hometown bar in New Iberia always serves up a great time. Quarter Tavern, 910 East Main, across from McDonald's. Best drink prices in Newberry. Domestic beer, just $2. Imports, $3 all day, every day other than during bands and special benefits. Landry has been traveling around District 49 talking to friends and neighbors about bringing prosperity and economic freedom to all our citizens. As we visited with thousands of people across our great district, many asked, how can we get involved in moving our district forward? Join us by going to jacoblandryforlouisiana.com where you can easily sign up and join our campaign. Go to jacoblandryforlouisiana.com and register now to join us. Pay for by the Jacob Landry for Louisiana campaign. Hi, this is Boxcar Badger, inviting you to join me and PGA Golf Professional Teddy Slyman for Chip Shots. Mondays from 5 to 6 p.m., we'll take an in-depth look at the local, state, and national golf scenes. And we invite you to chip in with your calls at 367-1240. Chip Shots is sponsored by the Coca-Cola Bottling Company, GolfBalls.com, and our local golf clubs, Eagle Ridge, Kangaroo, and Sugar Oak. So let's make a tea time for 5 p.m. on Mondays for Chip Shots on Kane. Stream us live on Kane1240.com and catch the podcast the next day. Now back to Bayou Sports on the all-new Kane 107.5. Welcome back to Bayou Sports here on Kane Radio, FM 107.5 and AM 1240. A little uh, hit and miss news. Uh, some sad news again. Martina Navratilova has been diagnosed with uh, both throat cancer and breast cancer, a double whammy. She says she hopes to overcome it uh, through treatment. So uh, one of the finer lady tennis players through uh, the 70s and 80s, uh, Martina Navratilova is 66 years old. Wow. Anyway, Rafael Devers and the Red Sox are finalizing 11-year, $331 million extension to keep the, the star in Boston. Uh, if completed, would be the richest contract in Red Sox history, only by $114 million. It, it, here's something I, I just, I never, 
uh, thought I'd see, but sign stealing. This is not in baseball. This is in college football teams are stealing signs or getting skunked. Ohio State D.C. Jim Knowles uh, tells uh, one of the sports networks, he says it's bigger than most people know. Found that I've never heard of that, Jeff, uh, uh, stealing signs. You, of course, you see those coordinators mm-hmm. with the, the, the uh, papers in front of their face. So, uh, Ripley. Yeah, again, as long as they're not using technology. Yes. Steal. If you yes. can visually read pick their up on something, then hey, yeah, yeah that's or part of up, the game. Or pick up a Omaha, Omaha. <laughs> you know, as Peyton Manning said for many years. So uh, anyway, uh, Wednesday, Texas A&M, Florida's uh, men' college basketball game was delayed. Too funny. A- after yeah. the Aggies forget their jerseys at the hotel, <laughs> just unbelievable. Anyway, the PGA Tour's uh, been elevated. The arrows, yeah, and so. they got a technical. And did, they, oh, did they? I didn't they realize that. They got a technical that. and actually uh, started the game losing before any time was off the clock. They were down one to nothing. <laughs> what, two shots? Yeah. <laughs> they, they may have missed one. <laughs> this is true. Anyway, uh, of course, the PGA season's getting underway. Of course, uh, if you listen to chip shots on Monday evenings at 5 to 6, uh, Teddy Slime and along with uh, Boxcar Bajor, I'll give you all the updates on the PGA Tour, which is uh, getting going again. Of course, uh, combination with uh, the 54 group along with um, the PGA people uh, should be interesting. So uh, in the meantime, as uh, PGA Golf is well underway right now uh, in the uh, on the networks and also um, – Chip shots here on Kane Radio Mondays at uh, 5 to 6. Elsewhere, uh, as I mentioned, we'll have basketball on uh, high school basketball beginning Friday night uh, as the uh, Catholic High Panthers host the West St. Mary Wolfpack in a game that should start between probably uh, after a little after 7.15, closer to 7.30, so stay tuned uh, to the high school basketball action Friday night. Uh, elsewhere, uh, just looking around, uh, nothing else that uh, – I see that uh, brings um, notice into uh, sports right now. Of course, we our prayers continued to go out for the young man from the Buffalo Bills who uh, sustained uh, uh, just a, a freakish um, incident over in the Monday night football game around 8 o'clock our time, uh, 9 o'clock uh, Eastern time. So uh, we all pray for his well-being in that regard. And um, I noticed uh, just um, all over the NFL they're um, uh, keeping their hopes alive that uh, he comes through all this okay. Uh, trying to notice, Jeff, if there's anything else uh, that uh, before we get into our uh, uh, today in sports history uh, um, notations, um, I'm just looking through some of the NFL news. and uh, well, A couple of LSU moves, okay. uh, LSU freshman linebacker, uh, Demario Tolan has entered the transfer portal. And I thought I saw another uh, piece of LSU news, uh, but it's escaping me right now. Okay. Anyway. Oh, uh, 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 Jay Bramblett, uh, the punter, he is returning for one more season. Okay. Uh, we always like to have your special teams people back and uh, see what takes place in that regard. Because talked a little bit about Hall of Fame, talked about the uh, NCAA championship game Monday night, along with uh, no Thursday night game tonight, two games Saturday. A uh, host of games uh, Sunday with the late game being Detroit Green Bay and the, uh, as I mentioned, the Hall of Fame uh, NFL. Their 15 finalists will find out the final group uh, uh, the week of the Super Bowl, or I should say, the Saturday or day or two before the Super Bowl. So, anyway, and today in sports history on January 5th, 
1927, Major League uh, Commissioner Kennesaw Mountain Landis begins a three-day public hearing on charges that uh, four games played between the White Sox and uh, uh, Detroit uh, are had uh, been thrown to the White Sox. So never did hear about that. You know, everybody's no. known about the 1919 with the Black Sox uh, scandal. Uh, that comes into play. In 1934, uh, National and American League Baseball League select a uniform baseball. Was at the Spalding Baseball, I do believe. Of course, when did they go to the Rawlings Ball? It seemed like that was sometime in the 50s or 60s. Elsewhere on this date in 1957, Jackie Robinson announces her retirement rather than be traded to the Giants. So Walter O'Malley decides to trade Jackie Robinson to their hated rivals. Of course, both teams moved well, what out. What was he getting in that trade? That's what I'm kind of curious about. I can't about. recall. I can't recall. What? I mean, it must have been fairly monumental to give up Jackie Robinson after all that he had been through with the Dodgers and uh, just, just bringing him into the league. I can only imagine what they were trading him for. Yeah, and, uh, of course, you know, a lot of people don't realize Robinson was 38 years old at that time. Yeah. So uh, age factor, he hadn't played uh, a full season in a couple years, too. So Jackie Robinson said, I'm not playing. As I mentioned a couple of times, Duke Snyder would never celebrate uh, uh, the fine center fielder for the Dodgers, would never celebrate Halloween because the Giants' colors were black and orange. Duke Snyder would never celebrate Halloween. Poor grandkids and kids. On this date in 1964, the AL Championship in San Diego is a Chargers running back. Uh, Keith Lincoln rushes for 206 yards and a couple touchdowns as uh, the Chargers beat the you-know-what out of the Patriots, 51-10. to 10. 1971, the body of former heavyweight world champion Sonny Liston, 40 years old at the time, found by his wife in their Las Vegas home. He'd been dead for almost six days. Foul play was suspected, and I never foot found out what happened uh, in regards to Sonny Liston with uh, the foul play incident. Elsewhere in 19... 19- he was found by his wife. Six days later. Six days later. Unbelievable. You would have thought... Um, Should have come home uh, one day. Exactly. Huh? You know. Don't know if she was vacationing or not. Uh, was she part of the uh, foul play yeah. suspected? Not sure. Anyway, in 1971, the the Harlem Globetrotters, would you believe they lost a game to the New Jersey Reds by the score of 100-99, to 99, ending, it's got to be a record, 2,495-game win streak. All-time, Harlem Globetrotters lose a game. I wonder if who would have been at that game, took pictures. Elsewhere in 1989, the uh, the baseball signs a $400 million deal with ESPN, showing 175 games in 1990. 1993, Reggie Jackson elected to baseball's Hall of Fame on this date. 1996, the Miami Dolphins coach Don Shula announces his retirement. Also on this date in 2007, Bill Cowher resigns as the head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Took the Steelers, I think, to two Super Bowls, won the last one he uh, coached in. Of course, uh, Tomlin has been the head coach since then, it's since 07. Elsewhere on this date in 2019, the Golden State Warriors and the Sacramento Kings combined for 41 three-pointers in a Warriors 127-123 win. New record for threes in a game. Of course, Stephen Curry had 10 by himself. Buddy Heald leads the Kings with eight. Jackson had five. So um, the threes were raining. Elsewhere in 2021, the 86 Heisman Trophy uh, was awarded to a meat native, Devontae Smith, the Alabama wide receiver, uh, wins uh, the Heisman Trophy uh, just uh 
two years ago or two years ago. Elsewhere in 1932, Chuck Noll uh, had a birthday on this date. I was born on this date in 32. Coach, coach, he coached the Steelers to four Super Bowl wins, born in Cleveland, Ohio. And on this date, also born on this date, 1938, Jim Otto, the only man in the NFL to wear a number lower than 50, as he wore double zero for the NFL Oakland Raiders, he was born in Warsaw, Wisconsin on this day. Also born on this date, 1945, Sam Weish, the NFL coach of the Bengals from 84 to 94. Also forgot he had coached the Bucks from 92 to 95. They say he introduced the no-huddle offense. Not so sure about that, but he was born in Atlanta, Georgia. And, of course, Sam Weish passed away uh, two years ago. Elsewhere in 1947, born on this date, Mercury Morris, the fine Dolphin uh, running back, born in Pittsburgh, PA. And it seemed like Mercury Morris played like a Texas Western, uh, one of those schools out there in West Texas. Also born on this date, former Saint, uh, Ronaldo Turnbull, the NFL defensive end for the Saints uh, and Carolina Panthers, born in St. Thomas, U.S. Virgin Islands. And deaths on this date, a big one on this date, and we can all recall where we were. Dying on this date in 1988, Pete Maravich, of course, the Hall of Fame uh, college uh, basketball star for the Hawks, Jazz, and Celtics, dies of heart failure on the basketball court at the age of 40. Also dying on this date in 2004, Tug McGraw, the baseball player and father of Tim McGraw, dies at 59. Of course, he started a statement for the amazing Mets. You got to believe, you got to believe. Anyway, the quote of the day I had to go back to Sam White. I love this quote, too. He said, well, the next person that sees anybody throw anything onto this field, point them out and get them out of here. You don't live in Cleveland. You live in Cincinnati. And, Jeff, I know you remember that statement oh, yeah. by Weish in that regard as uh, the Cleveland fans used to throw the dog bones and everything else on the field out from the dog pound. And uh, Sam White has the crowd in Cincinnati up in arms of course even though they only had a short-term uh, rivalry it began in the late 60s when the uh, Cincinnati was awarded a franchise uh, they've been at it and in the same division now for the last uh, 50 years so uh, Sam White adding more to the uh, rivalry with that comment back in uh, I want to say that sometime in the 80s but a great comment you know you don't live in Cleveland you live in Cincinnati love that about Sam White anyway that's today in Sports history, January 5th, uh, here Big Thursday, Jeff. Here, here you go. It was late in the evening when Geraldine Liston returned home, found the newspapers piled up at her door. She'd been trying to contact uh, the husband, uh, Sonny Liston, for almost two weeks, but had failed to get through to him. When her most recent call went unanswered, she apologized to her mother, who she'd been visiting in St. Louis over Christmas, and rushed back to Las Vegas to check on him. And then uh, it goes on to say how she wandered through the house, picked up on an unusual odor, and uh, eventually wow. found him uh, and uh, called uh, authorities after calling her lawyer first, <laughs> which uh, I thought, and, and a doctor too, okay, to confirm that indeed uh, he was dead. I, I guess it was pretty obvious when you started to smell that stench. <laughs> Yeah, six days, God. Sad for a heavyweight champion. And I mentioned yesterday, the only man to knock out Floyd Patterson twice uh, in a heavyweight bout. So, uh, of course, he ended up going down against Muhammad Ali or maybe at Cassius Clay at the time with the Phantom Punch back in the day. I think that was in 64 or 65. I think that fight 
was fought up in Maine somewhere. I can't remember the little community up in Maine that held the heavyweight title fight back then. Anyway, today in sports history, uh, January 5th, a big Thursday, Jeff. All right. Big thanks to our sponsors, Bayou Sports, brought to us by Jacob Landry, candidate for State Rep District 49, L.A. Classic Roofing, the Quarter Tavern, Cane Row Golf and Turf Club, and the Schwing Insurance Agency.